This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Here we go. Okay, do you know what? I've been thinking about this word for a long, long time. And actually, I'm really, really pleased that God is God. What? Because the worship this morning and all the scriptures that have been shared this morning are totally in line with everything I want to say. Today's sermon is all about overcoming your circumstances in Jesus' name. Anybody here today needs a miracle? If anybody here today is struggling with something, if anybody here today just needs a word from God to say, do you know what? It's okay. You can trust me. I'm here. This word is for you today. Okay? Amen. Yes? Yes. I'm not sure, Andrea, if that's all you've got. I don't know if I listen. I'll just think about cake. But no, please stay with me. Please stay with me. We are going to be diving into Acts, the book of Acts. Now, I try to, you know, when, it, when other people speak, they always have like these really funny illustrations and jokes and stuff they say beforehand to set it up. And I was racking my brain about something and I couldn't think of anything because the, st- uh, the bit of the Bible we're coming into is where Paul are in jail and I couldn't think of a witty anecdote pertaining to my life to do with jail so um, the, the, the closest I could come to is that I spent three and a half hours watching the Eurovision Song Contest last night and it you know and it was never ending I can only assume after watching it that there is no other country in Europe that wants to host it next year because it I am a committed viewer. I love Eurovision, but even by my low standards, it was grim last night, you know? Um, but so that's all I got. That's all I got. So, and on that, it's a tenuous link, but I'm sure you'll find that that was spiritual, yes? <laughs> and with that, let's dive into the book of Acts. Yay! So, this story, the book of Acts, it's all about the Acts of the Apostles. So, it's where the gospel gets taken out to the rest of the world. Now, we all know that one of the key apostles, he wasn't one of the disciples, but he was a key apostle, was Paul. And he was sent out to preach the word to the Gentiles, not the Jews, but to the Gentiles, to all the non-Jews. And he buddies up with, can we get the scripture up ready, Lee? He buddies up with a fella called Silas, and they are taking the word out. Now, they go into all the world, but at this point, they're in a town called Philippi, and there's a woman, a girl, who keeps following them around, shouting after them, these are the prophets of the Most High God. You need to listen to what they're saying. And this woman is just following them around. She's a slave girl in a very rich household, shouting this out wherever they go, and in the end, Paul has had enough because this girl had a spirit in her that wasn't the Holy Spirit. So he turns around to her and says, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. At that point, the spirit leaves the girl and she's free. But her owners are absolutely tamping, fuming, raging because she earned them a lot of money because part of that spirit in her meant that she could prophesy the future not in a holy spirit way not in a legitimate way not even in a proper way but they utilized what was in her in order to fortune tell and they lost money so they go to the court and say paul and silas are doing practices not in keeping with our culture that's what they charged them with yeah got me so far So they're charged on trumped-up bogus charges, okay? And it's nothing to do with the fact that they're doing the word of God. It is that they've robbed these people of money. So they're thrown into prison. But before they're thrown into prison, they are flogged. And the Bible actually says they are severely flogged. They were stripped of their clothing and they were beaten, first of all. This is going in and out. Is that okay? Right. 
I'll have two mics because that's just the way I do things. Um, so we get to this point where they're in prison, okay? And here it is. So Acts 16, 22 through to verse 34. So they've been thrown into jail. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Does that sound familiar where a crowd joins in with the beating of Christians? But this happened to Jesus as well, isn't it? Beware of people who are thrilled to see you when you're saying stuff they like. But be very aware of people who are prepared to turn and beat you the second you are still doing the word of the Lord, but they don't like what you're saying. Okay, so that's, that's not what I'm speaking on, but that's a little bit of a word there. So they ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He, um, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Amen? Amen. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Baptized. Baptismal. Friday. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Okay? Amen. I love this story. Don't you love this story? This is just absolutely wonderful. And today, I want to just bring three lessons from their story. The first is this, okay? So, if you take a note, these are just three things I want to bring out today, okay? One, let's not be victims of our circumstances, right? That's point one. Point two, let's not be reduced by our circumstances. And point three is, do not be defeated by your circumstances. Okay, so those are the three points we're focusing on today. I'm going to quickly check the time because in Eurovision style, I could go on for three hours and then you'll have to vote at the end and I'll win. Um, So there we are, quarter past 11. Okay, so we're going to kick off straight away with don't be a victim of your circumstances. Can we focus on verses 22 to 24 here? That says here, okay. Let's reverse. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Now listen, this was entirely a trumped-up charge. It was bogus, and they did not deserve to be in jail. Agreed? Agreed. How many of us have ever had false accusations, lies, gossip, slander hurled against us and we are then imprisoned by another person's view of us? Is that jail? That is a prison, isn't it? When somebody has a view of you and their sole aim is to keep you in one position, fastened and bound there because their view says this, that is a jail. Okay? So it doesn't mean... Some people might have experience of prison, some people might not. But the point I want to make today is that your circumstances can be a prison if you let them be a prison. We can be fastened and bound by the thing that is happening to us 
either by our own choices or by the choice of others, and that can keep us fastly bound in a position where we are imprisoned. So we are physically and spiritually bound by an external circumstance. Do you see? Yeah? The stocks that they were put in were heavy. You've all seen stocks when you visit medieval castles and stuff, don't you? We've all done that thing with our children. We say, yeah, yeah, put your head in. We're just going to take a photo. And then you walk off for a while. We've all done that, haven't we? Is it just me? Come on. No, listen, Gail, what is the point in having a child if you can't humiliate them now and again? Right? So you go back, you know? But these things weighed heavy. We were in another museum, because I am a bit of a nerd for this sort of stuff. There were shackles there. So they were flogged and they were put into these stocks. The stocks that then locked down with a weight that weighed roughly eight stone. Okay? Eight stone, a human being's weight. So even if you try to lift, <laughs> I'm sure they weren't doing this. So even if you try to lift your legs up, you were stuck in those stocks. But not only were they fastened into stocks, they were in an inner cell. So they were far away. They were with the worst of the criminals. When nobody could see them, there would be no daylight. They were stuck in hell. You with me? Where no light can penetrate and there is no liberty. There is no freedom. What I want you to know today, okay, is if you are feeling trapped in a circumstance, either by our own choices or by circumstances, whatever, if you feel imprisoned in that circumstance today, Please don't think for one second that you have been abandoned by God there. You with me? God is a seeking God. He hunts after you. His love is not just reckless, it pursues you. That's why it's so reckless. It will tear through anything. It will break through anything to get to you. And a seeking God will always respond to a seeking heart. Do you understand? The Bible is littered with verses that say, if you seek me, you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart. Yes? So if your heart is seeking after God, and we already know that God is seeking after you, there will come a point where you meet. Yes? No, don't you believe this? Oh, is it like that? Don't know. Don't know. I've got a chicken in the oven, Andrea, so carry on talking. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is this, if you are seeking after God, you need to know he is already pursuing you and seeking after you, right? And if you are seeking him truly, you know he is seeking you truly and you will meet. He hasn't forgotten you. In Isaiah 49, it says, you know what? Mothers will forget their children. Parents will walk away from you. But God says this, I will never leave you. Look or forget you. I have carved your name on the palms of my hands. When Jesus died, he died for you. He died for you. He died because he knew your name. Your name was written on his hands by the nails that penetrated his flesh. He knows who you are and he will never, ever, ever stop chasing after you and coming after you. Do you understand? So when you are stuck in that place, you are not abandoned, you are not forgotten, he is there with you. If we become a victim of our circumstance, it's because we forget to look at him. Our view of God is only as good as our relationship with God. 
right? So if I don't know him, if I'm not looking at him, if I'm not constantly reminding myself of everything he does and has done and will do for me, then I am forgetting that actually he is a God of love and infinite grace, wisdom and mercy and kindness. And I will be stuck in my circumstances saying, well, where are you then? Yeah? Yeah? Where are you then? You clearly don't love me if you're letting this happen to me. Forgetting that he sent his son to die for me so that I don't need to go to hell. Or die. I can live eternally. Do you understand? This is not condemnatory. This is encouragement, believe it or not. I want you to know today, if you feel that there is a circumstance going on around you and it is endless and you don't feel like it's ever going to change, you need to know, okay, that physically you might be stuck in that place, but spiritually you are free. And we live like people who are spiritually free. Even though people, circumstance, our minds, our actions might want to keep us stuck in a place, spiritually, you are free and free indeed. It's because it's for freedom Christ set you free. Right? Not, not for anything else. For freedom. So that you are free to love, you are free to give, you are free to be kind, you are free to be merciful, you are free to be everything that you were designed to be in Christ Jesus, you are free to be. And even though your circumstances might say otherwise, spiritually, you need to sing out, this is who you say I am and this is what I believe. And I will not have anybody come against me and say that I should be this or I should be that or I'm not this or I'm not that. Because inside you say that I am your co-heir. You say I am beloved. Phil just told us everything Jesus says about us. What God has earned for us. That is the assurance we stand on. You need to know who he is and you need to not let anything disrupt your relationship with him so that you might be mired down at the moment. But spiritually, you are invincible. Yes? Yes, it was like that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay. But that's it. So don't be a victim of it. Don't be a victim of it. The more oxygen you give the victimhood within us, and we all, listen now, listen now, let's be 100% honest, we all love a little bit of Maldod, don't we? Oh, Emrys is nodding. Now afterwards, I want you all to go up to Emrys and give him Maldod, right? He'd love that. Look at him. We all love a bit of a kutch. We all love a little bit of fess. Maldod, people are going, what's Maldod, Andrew? We're not all Welsh speakers. And I said, I saw you, Mary. I saw you say, yeah. Mary was like, ah, Gareth, what's Maldod? Maldod, Gareth's going, I got nothing, Mary. Right? <laughs> Maldod is a bit of a fuss. Yeah, you know? No, you go up to him, oh, you were right. You were right. No, are you were right. No, are you, though? Come on, let's have a cutch. I'll brush your hair. We'll eat cake. You know, we'll tell each other how pretty we are. It'll, it's all going to be amazing. And, and that, we all, all our spirits need a little bit of that sometimes, don't they? We all need to know somebody cares enough to ask us what's wrong. We all need that. But listen, that's a brilliant medicine you're giving someone when you care enough. Silas was with Paul, right? You, you've got a buddy there to go, we're in this together. I'm with you. We're going to stick this out together. Don't you worry about that. But we need to really guard against making that a poison in our lives where we give it too much oxygen, where we give it too much attention, where we spend all our time telling people, the people of God and other people in our lives, every single little thing that's gone wrong in our lives. You know, there's no victory in that. And sometimes we can put our faith in the people of God rather than in God. Okay? And what we need to do is recognize that actually 
even though I'm here at the moment and I have got some brilliant people around me praying me on, leaning on me, you know, abiding with me, helping me through this. Actually, my victory is in Christ alone, right? My victory, my overcoming, my actual winning streak is only in Jesus. He sends people on my path to help me and I praise him every day for that because you are a blessing in my life and you help me more than you will ever know. But actually my salvation, my victory, every winning thing about me is in Christ alone. The cornerstone. You get it? When we sing it, that's what we mean. You know, he sends you along my path to shelter me, to help me, to spur me on. And that is exactly what I need. But in those moments when I need victory, he goes, it's only me that can do that for you, Andrea. It's only me. It has to be only me. And so my relationship with Jesus is what gains me the victory. And my relationship and knowledge of him and my circumstance will only be overcome by the depth and strength of my relationship with him. And that starts with knowing he will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? He will never leave you or forsake you. You are not abandoned. You are not alone. You are not alone. He is with you every step of the way. Amen? So we release ourselves from being a victim of our circumstances. Rather, we say, actually, you are under my power circumstances. And until I have victory over them, you are still under my control. I will not let you overwhelm me. I will not let you destroy me. And I will not let you have any victory over me. You are not a victim. You are a survivor. Yeah? You are not... I'm going to say it again. You are not a victim. You are a survivor. Okay? In the army of God. And we battle on. Yes? Yes. Now, the second point, oh gosh, the second point, do you know what? I said to the pastor today, I said, look, there's a new innovation I'm using, a highlighter pen. And he said, I think you'll find, Andrea, that's not new. <laughs> and, I said, and I was hurt. But it's, a, but it's, cha- it's changed my life, everyone. Because now I can see exactly where the verses are without going, let me put on my Eric Markham glasses. Look how marvellous I use. So the next one, verse 25, here we go. Do not be ridiculous. Reduced by your circumstances. Now, what this means is where we become not less, because the basic tenet of the Bible is that I become less and Jesus becomes more. Yes? Being reduced by your circumstances means that you are not fulfilling your purpose and promise that has been settled on your life through your destiny with Christ Jesus. Yeah, Ruth spoke powerfully a couple of weeks ago about purpose. Listen to that podcast. It was amazing. But that is what God has for your life. When we live reduced by our circumstances, we forget that there's a purpose on our life. We live as though we have no purpose on our life. And we, 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 we have a narrative that says, well, how could God use me? How could God use me? I'm beyond use. And God is going, I think you'll find that nowhere in my word it says that. So we allow ourselves to be reduced by the circumstances in our life. How did Paul and Silas, there is an easy way to overcome this. Easy. Pips. You're going to thank me. You're going to high five me after this. The way they did it. Verse 25. Here we go. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Here endeth the message. Your praise and worship are key to you overcoming. 
When we sing on a Sunday morning, is it right? I mean, I mean, like this. She's going to talk about worship. Is she going to sing? That's what they're worried about. There's a good chance. So just right. It's praise and worship, right? Not just worship. We get that. People are like we're going into worship. We're going into praise and worship. Who's <laughs> feeling like that? Come on, listen. Praise and worship are different things. Your praise is a prerequisite for your worship. Yeah? Praise is respect, gratitude, and thanksgiving to God. Yeah? Worship is reverence and adoration. You see, what I'm saying to you is, Paul and Silas were here thanking God they were in jail. Thanking God they were in jail, which led to worship and adoration, and God going, watch how I step in. There was an earthquake, the chains fell off. They were all free. Are you listening? Praise. When they, the team choose songs here on a Sunday morning, it isn't just random. If it was random, they really would let an idiot like me loose on the mic. Okay? James is going, never going to happen. Right? But the worship is a result of our praise. Do you see so the songs go in an order, not because they're nice songs and the team think it'll be lovely for us to sing them. We kick off high singing, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You with me? If we only choose songs to listen to and sing that match our experience, we will never have victory. You with me? Because half the time, if I'm feeling low and slow and a little bit sad, I will only listen to songs that tell me that, won't I? But actually, what God says, in this moment, Andrea, what you need to do is lift up your voice and thank me for everything I've done. Yeah? That's what praise is. It is key to your worship. You can't, listen, I'm going to go out there and say, yeah, you cannot worship if you haven't praised. Yeah? Let's be clear about that. We all, my sister beleaguered my teenage years. She's sitting there, be mean to her after. She hounded my teenage years by constantly listening to the most miserable love songs you have ever heard in your entire life. George Benson on the Winds of Love has haunted me for the last 30 years, right? Did you do that thing with the top 40? There's young people going, top 40, what's she on about? You put the cassette in. Yeah, and pressed record. Kathy's nodding. But you'd push the pause button so that, be, and you'd be like, ah, so you could start recording seamlessly after another song you'd recorded. Hey, Liz, we both had tapes, right? We shared a bedroom. So my tapes were full of quite loud, rocky, stupid songs. Helen's were just a catalogue of misery, right? <laughs> and she'd be like this, get your tape out, Andrew, because I need to record George Benson. And so she'd have this on, and then she'd make me listen to it. And let me tell you, when you're listening to miserable songs, do you know how you feel? Miserable! So miserable. You know, turn the lights off, Andrea, so we can make it extra sad. Those are things she used to say. So we'd have to listen to these songs in the dark, uh, crying. Me like, oh, Helen, can we put Simple Minds or you two on? And she'd be like, no, Andrea, this is sad. And we'd have to sit there listening to these sad songs. Now, can you guess which ones of us as teenager was the feisty, happy-go-lucky go-getter? And which one was the one who liked to sit in her bedroom staring out the window? <laughs> Contemplating life. 
<laughs> and I'll be like, turn it off. Turn it off. But that's our nature. Our nature is we are human beings, and our nature, our will, is slightly selfish. And actually, there is nothing nicer sometimes, is there, than knowing you're going to watch or hear something that's going to make you have a bit of a cry. Have you ever sat and watched a film knowing full well you're going to cry in it? Why? Why? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing that? I know I'm going to cry, but I'm not going to turn it off. No, because I need to torture myself a bit more. But instead, you're like, what? But this is what we do with worship. I'm going to listen to oceans because I just need to cry in my car driving to my next appointment. That's what I really need. We don't. Oceans is a great song. The slow songs are great songs. But there are times in your life where you need to praise God for everything He's done to get the victory. God's going, I know I'm marvelous. I know. You don't have to cry and be sad all the time to let me know how fabulous I am. Girl, get your praise on. That's what he's saying. Boy, get your praise on. You don't have to tell everybody how sad you are. Tell me how great I am and how grateful you are. That's what God wants. No more George Benson in dark bedrooms. Stop it. But we need to lift him up. In our praises, it says. Ruth said it this morning. He inhabits the praises of his people. That's Psalm 22, where David is in a really dark place. He was constantly hiding from King Saul because he was going to kill him, right? But he's hiding and going, do you know what? Why are you so downcast, my soul? Why are you so sad within me? That's what Psalm 22 says. I will put my hope in God, my salvation, my king. And when we lift him up, we see him as he rightfully is. It changes us inside and that changes the circumstance around us. You might still have your issues and your problems, but within it you are victorious because you have lifted God to his rightful place. The other thing they did was prayer. So you're praising, you're worshipping, but you're praying. Your relationship with God is key. And we don't pray defeated prayers. Why have you done this to me? It's fine to call out to God. It's fine to call out to God. But do it in a place of honesty and providence that says, why are you doing this to me? I don't know, but you must have something to teach me. So let me teach, the, teach me and I will learn this lesson well so that when I come back, I'll praise you even more. That's what the psalm, that's what King David says. This sucks, God. But when I come back, I'm going to praise you so much before everyone. So teach me through this time. That's what it says. So when you're praying, and people were watching, because believe me, people will watch how you do things. If you tell them you're a Christian, they will watch how you deal with your issues. They will watch at how you deal with people. And they will watch with how you deal with your life. And then we can say, do you know what? As for me and my house, we trust God. Your providence, the prayer of providence, is praying things that are not as though they already were. You with me? That was Abraham in the Bible. That was his genius. He said, God said to him, I need you to leave where you are and walk out. Where am I going? I'm not telling you. All right. And he went. His huge victory of faith was that he saw it without God saying it. He said, wherever you tell me to go is your land, so I'll just go anyway. See, we need the minutiae, we need the details. I need a list of everything God's planning on doing in my life. And I need subsections to those lists. You know, point one, point one A. <laughs> point one B, one bracket. I need God to break it down for me. And God says, why don't you trust me then? Do you see? God's going, why do you need me to tell you everything? Do you trust me? 
Do you believe I have only good for you? Do you believe I love you? Do you believe you can trust me? Do you believe that I have a plan and a purpose for your life that will see you flourish? Yes. Then I don't need to write it all down for you, do I? I don't need to tell you step by step by step by step. You just live your life and do it. And we live from the providence. We pray the providence of God in our life. Not an agendered prayer that works things out how we would like it. Do you understand? It's praying God's goodness and will in our life, which he already is working out. So it's praying the stuff we already know, but allow our circumstances to cloud our mind and we panic and forget. So we pray what I call panic prayers. Anybody ever pray panic prayers? Yeah? Lord, stop this now! (laughs) What? You know, breathe in? What? What do you want me to stop? You know, be like, we calm ourselves down. We still the worry and the fear. And we say, you are still God. And always will be God. And I pray with my eyes fixed on a huge God who wants nothing but good for me. Do you see? Do you see? So you don't reduce in your circumstances. By fixing your eyes on a great God, your heart and your spirit enlarge and expand and you are with him step by step. So don't allow your circumstances to reduce you. The final point I have, okay, is don't be defeated by your circumstances. It is so easy and so tempting to give up, isn't it? It's so easy and tempting to give up. And lots of us think, oh, it's just that one thing. I'll give up that one thing. I can't fight anymore. Well, you know what? If you're doing it yourself, you're right. You can't fight anymore. You let God take over. You let God take over. And part of that, you know, I've highlighted here these verses. Okay, so this is verses 26 to 28. After the chains fell off, their victory, it's the jailer who comes back to them and says, what do I do to be saved? But before that, they've stayed. They could have run out, couldn't they? Oh, circumstances over. Let's pretend it never happened. Let's just move on. Let's crack on. We never need to talk about this again. But Paul and Silas stayed. Why? Because they knew the jailer would be in a whole heap of trouble if they walked out. So their victory hinged upon them forgiving their jailer. Right? They were beaten and flogged. But they forgave him to the point where he was going to kill himself. And they say, don't do yourself any harm. If there's any root of unforgiveness in our lives, you know what? We need to put that right. Because your circumstances, and this, I really need you to understand this. I need to understand it. The victory over our circumstances is a doorway for somebody else's salvation. Do you understand? The way we overcome our circumstances could be the route to somebody else being saved. Are you with me? So when we deal with it, when we overcome, we are then in a position where we say to somebody else, this is what you have to do to be saved. This is what Jesus did to you. They forgave their jailer. Some of us, maybe all of us, whatever happened, whatever happened, we need to forgive. Yeah? We need to be in forgiveness and God says now I can set your feet free do you understand it's our forgiveness that keeps us shackled sometimes we need to be our lack of forgiveness rather we need to be that and it's an act it's an act it's an act 
It isn't just some concept. It isn't just you going, well, I have forgiven, actually. There's no bitterness in my heart. Those are just words. It is a deep down, hard-fought battle and a verb, okay? It's a doing word. It's the act of forgiveness. Be in a state of forgiveness. When you see those things written on Facebook, hey, when they go low, we go high. You hear, are you hearing me? When you get that piece of gossip, they said this about you. When they go low, we go high. And we forgive. Are you with me? Do you understand what this is buying for you when you do this? When you're tempted to answer back. When you're tempted to write it down. When you're tempted to be furious and just isolate yourself from other people, including the people of God, including church and everything, because you're so furious with the way people have treated you. So you know what? I'm going to withhold myself from everybody else. You know what? Don't go low, go high. Go way up high. Do you understand? So it's not about allowing your circumstance to change your outcomes. It's allowing God to give you victory despite your circumstances. Do you understand? This is, I know this isn't anything new, maybe. I know this is all stuff that most of you have heard before. But you need, I truly believe today in this church, there are so many of us who need breakthrough from circumstances that have held us back for far too long. Friends, God would have you free today. He would have you free today. And he is saying, be free. So you let go of the victimhood of it. You let go of the reduction and you let go of the defeat of it. Your freedom. Other people's souls depend on your freedom, friends. Other people's souls depend on me. Because who's God using to get people into heaven? Us. Jesus is working through you, but he's also working for you. He hasn't forgotten you or abandoned you. And don't let the tragedy and the trauma of whatever happened to you dictate the person you are meant to be in Christ Jesus. You are meant to be free in Christ Jesus. So enough with the circumstances. We go on, friends, don't we? We go on, shoulder to shoulder, an army, friends, brothers, sisters, the church, shouting out the praises of God, lifting his name up high and affecting and changing people's lives through Jesus Christ for the glory of the Most High God. Amen. Have a great week. I really pray for you. I think at the end of Sunday we can pray for breakthrough. No, we've prayed it at the beginning. Let's pray again for breakthrough. If you need someone to come and pray with you, we will come and pray with you. We are praying for breakthrough today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.